As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at T-E-A-M-E-S-Global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co., where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Building Teams with Teams & Co. We are excited to welcome Faye Horwitt, the President and CEO of Forward Cities, and Brett Brenton, the Senior Director of Learning Networks at Forward Cities. Faye, Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thank you. It's awesome seeing you guys. We were just talking before the show and uh, just going through and learning a little bit more about everybody's backgrounds and the work that y'all are doing, and it is fascinating. I know Tracy and I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time now. So we'd love to hear, you know, we'll dig more into all the different facets and components of what y'all do, but I would love to hear just sort of a brief high level explanation of Forward Cities and your guys' vision and mission and what you're working to accomplish just to contextualize our, our listeners with the work that you do. Yeah, I will let Brett kick it off. He says it better than I do, I think. <laughs> Um, debatable, but uh, I'll give it a shot. So, you know, when you look at the status of American society right now, you see um, inequity across many different cross sections of the country, right? So there's a lot of ways that different organizations, that different efforts are trying to address that. And I think Forward City saw this sweet spot of the equity challenges that we still have in this country and the vehicle for change that entrepreneurship offers, that having your own small business can provide for creating personal wealth, creating community wealth, and saw something about you know that intersectionality and what could happen if cities really geared a lot of their economic development philosophy practices towards cultivating more small business growth, especially for people of color in this country. And so we've spent seven years trying to develop a set of practices, strategies, resources that can help really, you know, fill that gap and and try to make what has been a generational challenge go away. And that's ambitious, but uh, and we're not alone in doing it, but we feel like we're definitely uh, in the right lane of work. How was that, Faye? Glad you talked first. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a, amazing, well said, and certainly a such a an important and relevant challenge. Um, so I just, first of all, just appreciate the work that you guys are doing, and and wanted to, you know, thank you guys for for the work. I know it's so important. Can you speak a little bit to 
again, just sort of broad brushstrokes at this point, but how is it that you do what you do? Yeah, that that's a, a great uh, sort of question for me, I think, is uh, segue from the, the why, why we do this, you know, which Brett really explained really well. What we have realized is that uh, if if you have this goal, this idea of trying to address inequity in entrepreneurship and um, what we call create equity, equity for every entrepreneur, we call it, call it our E3 methodology. And in order to do that, you you can't. That's never going to happen with just like one or one one person or one organization. It's going to take a, a community effort, just like it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to we could say it takes you know ideas and it takes an ecosystem to raise a business. And so it's going to take many many entities and many individuals working together and teaming to make sure that that entrepreneur is every entrepreneur is successful and that the entrepreneurs that have been most traditionally underrepresented, disconnected from resources, uh, are given an opportunity. And so our work is wrapped around this idea of what we call ecosystem building. And that is how do you, if if you think about uh, the needs of an entrepreneur, essentially there's a lot of resources that they need to get from an ideation of, hey, I have a great idea, to launching launching that business, getting it up and running, to scaling and growing it, to figuring out, you know, or maybe Maybe they want to franchise. Maybe they want to exit. Maybe they want to go and do other things. But all along that pathway, they're going to require different resources, different levels of support. And so what we do is we work with the organizations and the individuals that are along that pathway to ensure that they are they are equipped and prepared and collaborating together for the benefit of that entrepreneur to make sure that they are able to get to their ultimate goal successfully. And that when they hit barriers along the way, which happens more for entrepreneurs of color, uh, that they're able to navigate, we're able to create, so help them create solutions to help those entrepreneurs navigate those barriers. And so Forward Cities, we work with communities around the country, essentially helping them do a few key activities to support entrepreneurs. We help them assess how well they are serving entrepreneurs and how well they are addressing those barriers or not. Uh, for underrepresented entrepreneurs. Uh, we help them then come together and align efforts and figure out, hey, once they understand the data around, you know, where their gaps and opportunities are, they're working together. How are they working together to create a, a shared vision for how they can address those issues? How are they working together versus competing against one another for, for resources or for funding? Uh, and then we help them figure out then Take that into action. It's not enough to sit around the table together and talk kumbaya and say, oh, this is great. We feel good together as a team. But what are you going to do together to help entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. So we move that into action. And then uh, we help them advocate for where they might be able to to scale those efforts. And that includes how do you get more funding uh, to support that level of work? And how do you get governments um, from a policy perspective to lean into supporting entrepreneurship and addressing those gaps? And lastly, we amplify those efforts through storytelling, uh, through sharing, through, you know, exactly opportunities like this. How do we talk about the work uh, on a national and local level? And and how do you then scale it from a standpoint of have, helping more people understand the need? Uh, so, you know, those are those are sort of the the that's the broad scro- scope of our work. It looks different in different communities uh, for different reasons based on what they need, um, because every community is different. If you've seen one ecosystem, you've seen one ecosystem. (laughs) 
I, uh, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you guys have busy days just based on that description. So (laughs) (laughs) no, I I think it's amazing. And and we actually, we interviewed a a CEO of a nonprofit locally in Durham, um, which I'm sure you guys know Helios around necessity driven entrepreneurship and had a great conversation with Gerard Statton too, about like, just how do you create some of those networks and that ongoing relationship with entrepreneurs? And in, in that case, necessity-based entrepreneurs that may not have access to these really broad networks of, of people. And how do you make sure that they are supported throughout their journey, not only in training, but in mentorship? And and it's such a great program. But I, I hear your point, which is it's, you know, a lot of these programs are singular and they're super successful and they're really well regarded. But just love the idea that we often use the terminology of like amplifying, uh, you know, your results and like, you know, as an individual, you can be successful, right? And as an individual organization, you can be successful, but really amplifying your efforts. It sounds like that's what Forward Cities brings to the table is just saying, hey, you're all doing great work and, and nobody nobody has enough resources or enough time to finish the project themselves. But if we come together as a little bit of a team, so to speak, with quotation marks, we can get those greater results. And, you know, obviously that's why we invited you both to speak to us around kind of informal teams. And, and we speak about this a lot, even with, with folks who are not managing kind of a traditional team. But I, I guess this is a really long preamble to, to what is a very short question, which is that's not easy, right? You're, you're talking about bringing together nonprofits, to your point, Faye, that have traditionally maybe competed for funding, right? There's, there's maybe some overlap between their programs. Maybe there's some gaps between their programs. You know, those aren't easy conversations. So, so how do, how do you work with teams and and organizations to say, Hey, you know, how do we create this dialogue? And and I know it's a little bit of a, a hard question to answer, but what does that look like for your organization as you're trying to start those conversations and, and kind of get the momentum? Like, who do you bring together? What's the context? I guess just maybe a little bit more about that process uh, as uh, as our listeners are trying to do similar things in their organizations and their communities. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll I'll jump in because I think there's a there's uh, I'll I'll address you know how we what we've learned along the way about this, uh, and then I'll turn over to Brett and he can share you know one of the tools that we've been using to to sort of help help uh, communities lean into this. You know, early on in my career trying to do this work. I wanted to help entrepreneurs. I wanted to make sure they had what they needed, particularly underrepresented entrepreneurs. And I remember getting so frustrated, you know, in my hometown when I tried to do this and kept running up up against these organizations that each each had their own sort of agenda and their own mission. And they were sort of infighting and like trying to grab resources and taking resources from each other. And I remember thinking, man, I could get this work done if these people were not like being people. <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if they were not sort of uh, looking out for their own interests and the interests of their organizations over everything else. But it was so frustrating for me. And and I remember thinking, this is toxic. This is bad. And and I ran away because I just couldn't, I couldn't take it, right? I didn't understand that mindset because that was not the way I'm built, right? But that's the way most people are. We, that's the way we're raised to think. We are self-protective with self-preservation, and that that extends to organizations and teams. We want to make sure our team is going to be okay, right? And that comes tends to come first. And so, one of the things that I have learned after coming to Forward Cities is that that what I experienced in my hometown that was not unique. That is just reality. That is the way communities function. It's the way a lot of people show up. And so, 
what we have have come to realize is that ideally what you want to do is you you want to try and find common ground and common vision first, right? If you can get to people get people where they understand and can see the same thing and they are there and we call it sense making, right? That that's when they can start to attack a sh- one thing together. If they can agree on one thing that they all think is a, is an issue or a problem or a challenge to fix. And then that puts them on on a level playing field, right? And that's that's what we've gotten to is this idea that we want to create a space where uh, these organizations can te- can collaborate and team together to address a shared a shared or common challenge that they have identified, and we help them do that through our surveys and our data. And once we're able to sort of share back with them, hey, here's what we saw and we heard from you and your constituents about what are some challenges and barriers. And then we get them to to sort of sense make around, okay, well, which of these are most important? Which are these might we want to address first? And then doing together actually builds trust. Sitting in a room together and talking does not actually accomplish much for what is what we've learned is that people can Mm. share and share, but then they'll just come back to the room the next time and share their own perspectives. And then they just sort of get into this circle of hey, let's just kumbaya and let's just sort of feel good about supporting each other and what we're doing. And it never ends up actually having an impact on the entrepreneur that we're actually trying to solve issues for. And so we, all of our work is, is, is action oriented. It moves from this idea of collecting information or, or having a discovery process to getting people together in a room and designing together and then actually moving that into an action, delivering something they can actually make a difference, uh, and and no matter what we do and how we do it, different different permutations of products or engagements that tends to be the through line that we've seen successful. Uh, and, and I'll turn over to Brett to, to talk to you about you know one of the the tools that we have uh, been using most recently that is great at creating that environment or microcosm for for uh, teams. Yeah, and I'll I'll just add a little context to what what Faye drew out for you. It's you know there's a lot of layers to this, right? So first off, there's almost an inherent scarcity mindset that um, people take into work, and that's what causes that competition. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we see the same organizations fighting for the same resources. Um, but it's that scarcity mindset. It's 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 very simple. It's fear is one of the most powerful emotions that there is, and so people succumb to it, and and they get afraid. They they naturally self-preserve. There's a survival instinct that kicks in, and their organization's kind of sustainability trumps even what they're actually there to do, which is you know to to impact a specific community or a shared community, depending if you're looking at it as an individual organization or you know, a group of organizations so that they can accomplish X, whatever that is. And in our case, it is create a more thriving environment for businesses to be successful. So here you can have a number of ESOs in the same geographic zip codes that all have missions that if you looked at them on paper would be very, very aligned. Then when it gets to practice, it just doesn't show up. And so we try to strip that down. We take a human-centered approach and that's very helpful. So if you can get all of these organizations to say, well, what is it that we're ultimately trying to do? And then who do we need to hear from? You know, we're not here to, as organizations to necessarily come up with all the answers ourselves. It's very important that we bring the stakeholders who ultimately are going to be affected by whatever work we do 
to the table, not just so we can hear from them, extract that information and say, thanks, we'll be back when we fix it for you, but also that, you know, we want you at the table informing the challenges that we need to overcome, designing the solutions, and then even being involved in the delivery that, that Faye talked about of those solutions. So I can, I can think back to like 2018, 2019, when we were really getting going in this work, we, we missed kind of a way to even with all those, you know, those, that human-centered approach has always been inherent in our work, but even with those premises to really still get that competition to disappear. I remember some of our early cities where it quietly festered when we thought we had it figured out. So they introduced me to something called strategic doing, the organization is something called strategic doing, which now I'm a, a trained facilitator in and have delivered in about over a dozen communities. I'm not sure the number, but and it's extremely effective in the practice because it, it does three things. It first off surfaces assets that everybody has access to. No silver bullets. We're not like trying to come up with the moonshot here that's going to cure cancer, that's going to, you know, um, solve for climate change. This is much more, you know, let's take small bites in an apple so that we can achieve some level of progress. It, it kind of teaches how to link and leverage those assets in a way that um, creates new opportunities, things that might be kind of obvious once you see them, but they weren't there. Nobody was trying it. Nobody was thinking about it. And then it leads people through a process to very democratically, first off, get some sense of consensus around which ones are going to be the highest impact, the easiest to implement. But also, you know, it has some space to get consent, which is different. You know, um, consensus is agreement, but it's not necessarily, you know, that full commitment to whatever kind of surfaced opportunity um, a group can can develop and then it triggers action so it's like okay this is what we say we want to do this is you know in a short period of time what we think can accomplish you know we, we apply a few metrics but what are you going to do about it like in the next 30 days in the next 14 days in the next however long how are you going to take a bite at that apple a little bite and how are we going to go with grace as you know maybe we don't accomplish what we thought we could in that period of time and be very agile in our approach to try to solve for this problem. Or, or better yet, forget about solving problems. Create new opportunities. Create new realities. That's really a, a better framing of it. So, um, you know, it, it, in a lot of ways, it, it put a fuel in the tank that our engagements didn't have. And, it, it you know, to face point about alignment, it mm. ensured alignment and got action as a legitimate, natural step in the process. So that we didn't just come and talk about you know, what we were accomplishing as individuals, but now we had something collective. And one last thing on this. So, so this is the, this is the biggest part. It's the practice of doing together that creates almost like a, um, a fraternal sense of these, of these individuals, of these organizations that wasn't there before. I mean, again, they're navigating, they're swimming in the same waters, but they're not swimming in the same direction. They're not in the same boat. Now they're rowing together. You know, now they're, they're going in the same direction together they work hard together. They get to know each other. Relationships are established. You know, challenges are introduced and hopefully overcome. And then um, what it does is the ecosystem in a very invisible way thrives. It strengthens. The tethers get stronger. And that fabric ultimately is what we need to kind of create this environment for these businesses to succeed. It's very hard to storytell about. It's very hard to, you know, capture, to manifest, to 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 make tangible, but it's there and it will continue long after we've gone, which is our ultimate goal. Like we don't want to be there forever. The shorter we're there, the more we can just trigger these things, catalyze these things and get the heck out of the way, the better. 
because then there's this cycle of continuous improvement that's just it becomes like the uh the live philosophy of that community so that's the neat part about it um what if you can get there um and we've seen it happen you can kind of uh you, you can just like i said you can get out of the way and let them do the good work that um will hopefully deliver um whatever unique solution they need I mean, I, I, there's so much there, Brett, and I think that you you both have, have shared like an incredible insight for all of us. I, I, there's a few things that I really love that you guys have said because they model a little bit of what we do as well. Like really, they just kind of understanding that current state, right? And sort of saying, hey, we have to know where we are today before we start to make improvements. Really love and resonate with the including multiple stakeholders and and the people who are, are really affected by a lot of these things. In organizations, it's similar, right? A lot of times leaders will sit in a room and make a decision about something and never ask the frontline employee who's actually taking the customer service calls or or operating the line like what their input is and how it would actually benefit them and benefit the customers and and there's such a knowledge loss there right because you know that's that's the perspective of like how is this change actually going to live beyond the decision right and so we often speak with leaders around that and and just love to hear that approach but I, I know that Mike has a has a ton of questions on these pieces as well. And, you know, my, my just kind of initial like kind of ask is like, what does that typically look like when you sort of how do you how do you all know like, hey, this is the time that we step away, right? Because we say that as well. Like we like to work with an organization for a certain time period, but we haven't done our job if you need us in two years, right? Like if you still need us, then we haven't fixed that solution or or created that solution or fixed that challenge and you know done our job to work with you and your organization to to get you to a place that you you don't need teams and co right and and how do how does forward cities think about that and and you know maybe you can use one of your recent engagements as an example of like what's in place when you kind of say okay you you all got this like we don't need to be here anymore you can you can run this what does that what does that look like yeah i'll jump into that and and i i will say it's it's a it can be uh very tricky and part of that is because we are typically the p- folks that will bring us into community to do this tend to be any combination of like a community foundation or a city or county government or some entity that has set aside a certain amount of budget for us to do this. And we're, we need to work within whatever budget they have to share with them, okay, here's what we can help your community uh, stand up in that amount of time. And with the ultimate goal from, from our standpoint of them being able to sustain the work to breast point going forward after we have gone. Now, their budget may not be ideal for for that. Uh, And so what we do is we try and lean in and give as much as we can, uh, do as much capacity building as we can in the time that we have, and we design engagements that will help us do that. Sometimes, um, you know, when when we get to the end, we feel like that we've gotten to a good place and they're able to carry on. But most often, we have sort of just touched the surface. We have sort of, uh, depending on how short or long it is, right, on the shorter ones, we've just touched the surface. But what I think that we're watching along the way, we're able to see, you know, what parts and pieces of the ecosystem or that group of people, mind you, we, we are working with a finite group of people, not necessarily an entire ecosystem or a finite group of organizations or entities. We're able to see, hey, here's where they have strengths and weaknesses um, throughout our process of working with them. and then. As we get to the end of the engagement, we always build in a time to consider with them what might be next. Uh, And we call it sustainability. Okay, so we have done this with you or for you, depending on the, you know, the engagement. And how can you think about what comes next? Whether that's something we might be able to help you with or whether that's something we have already prepared you to do. And we're going to 
we're going to put some line up uh, some things in a row for you. So all you have to do is go and implement after we're done. Or have we taught you processes and giving you tools and giving you model for you things that you can pick up on your own as a community or as a group of people and continue those practices going forward? What we're discovering as an organization is that uh, it's very hard to walk away from entities and organizations and, and leave them when they may, we know they may not be prepared to continue. And so we're moving in a direction now of uh, developing a national community of practice around this work so that, so that we don't have to leave people. Uh, they can continue to engage with, with us. We can continue to stay in touch and continue to give them uh, best practices and skills and tools and resources, not only from us, but that they can learn from other communities that we work with and that are doing similar work. Um, this learning piece is a, is a huge part of who we are as an organization. Uh, you know, our three pillars are equity, community, and learning, um, you know, in terms of values. And that means that this this is not a one and done. It's never finished. Um, we believe that, that there's continuous learning that goes on. And, and as much as possible, we want to position Forward Cities to support that continuous and ongoing learning. So I, I've heard a ton of things in this conversation. I want to pull out j just a couple, and then I want to try to make it really tangible just to make sure I'm I'm tracking with you guys. So a couple of things that I heard was anchoring around a common vision and the importance of bringing stakeholders together in an ecosystem, much like, and we've, the listeners of this podcast will know, Tracy and I, and a lot of our guests talk about this all the time. It's anchoring around a common vision and getting people aligned around a common goal, bringing people together, engaging those stakeholder groups. So it's not just, you know, leaders in an ivory tower saying, this is the plan. Okay, go execute and really making sure that voices are heard. The importance of having solid data and an understanding of a current state assessment or analysis of how are things today and how far are we from that common vision that we share. And then working with groups and equipping them, teach a person to fish, not just go fishing for that person, are all themes that I've heard and I think are as important in an ecosystem like y'all work in as it is in any other sort of organization or, or entity. So I think all those things are so, um, you know, one of the things we've said here, it's, it's like, I think all of us would answer that. Like if this was a multiple choice question, it's like, should you do those things? It's like, everybody's going to answer yes. Nobody's going to fail that multiple choice exam. It's not difficult to understand that those are important things to do, but they are difficult to implement, right? It's like running a marathon isn't a difficult concept. It's just you run 26.2 miles. It's just the process of running 26.2 miles is a lot harder to do than to... You may do that, Mike. Yeah. I do not do that. <laughs> so, um, I, I, okay. So I think those are just some important like takeaways that I wanted to to take back and, and summarize and recap. Just to make it really tangible, though, let me make sure that I'm tracking with y'all in what you do. And then I'd love to hear maybe a case study if that's, if that's okay. So my understanding is you guys get hired by like a government or a foundation or an organization to come into a community. So if that's a you know, a city or a township or something, do a current state assessment. And I'd love to hear, I know you mentioned surveys and some other analysis tools to understand, I'm sure a prescribed series of metrics like 
well, you guys need to tell me all, all, all the things that you guys look at and then bring together the community. And Brett, I know you mentioned ESOs, which just for our listeners who don't know, entrepreneurial support organizations. So other organizations that work to equip and support an entrepreneurial community and forward cities takes a leadership role in those conversations to bring those stakeholders together and then do all the things we just talked about anchor to a vision, to a common vision, get stakeholder alignment, listen to the voices from the different organizations and the different people there, and then equip that ecosystem as a community to work together. Is that an appropriate summation of sort of the, the work that y'all do? Yeah. And, and what I'll do probably from a case study perspective, Mike, is um, I, I think it's it's most effective to think about communities that have gone all the way through that process. So we're we're currently you know working with many communities, but I think there's two uh, that stand out. And I'll let Brett pick which which he thinks might be a good one to share. But I think you know our work in Kansas City is is I think pretty intriguing as an example, beginning to end of that process and how they are equipped to sustain that work going forward. Uh, and I think there's something similar. But what that happened in a different way in a place we worked in called Westmoreland County, which is which is a micropolitan. Brett, I will let you pick the best the best of the stories that you think <laughs> might fit in this circumstance. Yeah, I, I think those are two great examples. And they they highlight a couple things. First off, my great point worth mentioning. Yeah, this all sounds obvious and common sensical, you know, I mean. But it's not, it, 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 you know, it might be like the smartest thing to do, but it doesn't make it the easiest thing to do. And so that's got to be noted. And the role of the ecosystem builder on the ground. So I've worked with, Faye, I mean, we've had probably 15, 20 of them. I don't know. Like we've had a, a lot of people representing different communities who have been on the ground doing this work. I have yet to see the one that's like stuck the landing, got the 10 out of 10. Even the Russian judge gave him full points. You know, it, it just <laughs> there is no such thing. It doesn't happen. These, you know, no are, such thing. Yeah, it's a unicorn. And so, like, you know, as fallible as we are as humans, like that role is just fallible because of the difficulty of, of the job. So, you know, to preface that, we I think even to, before I get down to Kansas City and New Kensington, the ones that um, Faye mentioned, like you know, it's 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 trying to make this work in so many different settings. We're we're working with indigenous populations in uh, northwestern New Mexico. We're working with mm. um, a swath of Baltimore that they call the black butterfly, which I used to live in Baltimore. This is generations of uh, systemic poverty. You know, I, I mean, these are these are parts of, of, of cities that um, have not seen access to opportunity for a very long time. Like, you know, just, just start with those two is like on the same spectrum and you're trying to solve for those problems. It, you know, good luck in building like the playbook that's going to work for everybody. So starting there, Kansas City is very unique. So um, they have the Kansas City, Kansas side, the Kansas City, Missouri side. It's, you know, you would think uh, a river splits them. That's it. That should be the only uh, thing that separates them. But it's affected, you know, settlement patterns. It's affected, you know, because of different state policies, local, uh, local policies has affected growth of business. Um, and it is a very segmented ecosystem. So over the course of the last three years, under one of the, the best in the business that I've seen do this, Gabe Munoz, um, they have worked very hard 
to get over some of the selfish interests that ESOs naturally bring to the table, to develop a number of programs uh, that were novel, that did not exist before, and have sustained those programs um, so that there's now a co-working space that, you know, uh, in, in a very working class part of Kansas City, Kansas, that anybody can walk into and get free resources anytime. There is a uh, an outreach series, a, a mentoring program that's taking place now that was just piloted and tested, but now has sustained um, because of the success of the program, and because of the attention that that drew. And again, these are things like we talked about before, you know, you've got to get people in the room and get a couple successes and then you'll see like you can get out of the way and, mm. and, and that con- congealing factor will um, sustain. That's really what led to a lot of these programs working. So, you know, they work as like a good example of a macro polyton that's that's figured it out, um, a major metro. New Kensington's super interesting because it's basically a, an exurb of Pittsburgh that was big in the aluminum business. Alcoa was there until I think probably early 70s, late 70s. And then they pulled out and the whole town just completely died. Um, there's 15,000 mm. people there. It's It's isolated enough that you can't get – you know, easy transportation to Pittsburgh for jobs. It's in a tough spot. And I'll, I'll admit like Penn state university, new Kensington had a lot of great momentum going there. It's rarely us. That's like the catalyst, you know, without Ford cities, none of this would happen. We're like pushing, you know, the stone up the hill with you along the way. And we, we entered new Kensington at a good time. So there was some at least promise, you know, in terms of the alignment that was starting to happen. Um, but we did some incredible things there, not not just around entrepreneurship, but around workforce development, took <laughs> a set of stakeholders who had been um, maybe on the same page in terms of well, they're in a small fishbowl, so they all know each other very well, but they hadn't had the opportunity to work at the community level on some shared programs. And again, that is a universal, like we congealed them. We gave them a chance to create identity really kind of spill out philosophy of um, what they thought, the direction they thought the community needed to go. Um, again, informed by the people that were facing the challenges. And we designed programs that that still sustain. And New Ken has had a resurgence in the last probably really two years, um, which is after we started there. But the last, I'd say, six to 12 months have been amazing. And those programs now have fertile ground to continue to, to grow. So those serve as two of the best examples. Um, you know, there's been communities where uh, it's been a it's been a lot harder, it's tougher sledding just to get any of these pilots and programs to stick. And it speaks to you know some of the challenges at the ecosystem level that still need to get solved for before you're going to have any quality of um, efficacy at rolling up your sleeves and trying some some pilots together. I was going to say, I just, uh, I'm, I'm mostly struck by the fact that I've been to Kansas City many more times than most people probably. I did some work there and never thought about the dynamic that it is in two states and then therefore they have a cascading level of different laws that would be governing things like entrepreneurship and business, right? Like when you think about starting a business, there's already so many things you have to know and regulations you have to follow. And I, I never thought about the dynamic of doing that in a city that straddles two states. That's I think we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> the, the, the stark difference. That's right. The stark yeah. difference that we immediately saw. I mean, from, from day one, I went into the engagement I, for the very first time. It was my first set of work for Forward Cities when I joined. And I went into the room and they said, oh, you know, hey, we've got this group of people from Kansas, greater Kansas City. Great. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, and And literally in the first two hours, 
it was very clear that there was a chasm in the room and they spoke to it very clearly. And I walked out of that meeting going, we cannot do this all. We're going to have to address this. This has to be foremost. We have to figure out how can we get them working together. And as it turned out, in the end, you know, there are some there to your point, there's some governmental challenges and there's some resource issues that are very stark and real that we we couldn't change. And so ultimately what we had to understand and lean into is to lean into where there were less resources so that we could help. We could really make a tangible difference. And that happened to be in Kansas City, Kansas, is where the work ended up pivoting to because there's so many available and aligned resources uh, on the Missouri side that, mm. that we were sort of like redundant almost. And so what mm. we realized is we needed to lean in and figure out how we can how we can give add some capacity to Kansas City, Kansas in a way that they've never had before. And that was that was so beautiful. We couldn't have anticipated that going in. And so we learned along the way. It was, I will tell you, it was not easy. There's there's when you are trying to get people aligned in any given setting around shared and common goals, um, it's going to be hard. And we we ran up, up against issues related to territory, territorialism, oh that's mine, and why didn't we get this funding and those kinds of things, it's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen in internal teams. And when it happens in your organization, it's more about, hey, my salary or my office or my my office chair or, you know, what what is it that I get that this person didn't get my raise? Um, but it's all the same. It's the this, this same sense of the me versus the we. And this is how we want to try and get people thinking is that actually it's not about how big is your slice of the pie? It's about growing the pie together. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, and I'm trying to think about for those listeners who are not ecosystem builders, I think a lot of the things that y'all do still really pertain. So I'd love to hear about, you know, specifically the metrics that y'all look at, but then more generally how you go about the process of understanding the you know, developing something like a current state analysis, understanding what, like, what's the vision, where are we, and then bringing a lot of people together to, to bridge that gap. And, you know, if you want to use a, a case study that that'd be awesome. If not, you know, and you want to speak more generally that that works too. And then before, you know, you do that, I imagine one of the big metrics that you guys saw in Kansas city, that was an overwhelming problem was the number of Kansas city chiefs fans sure. that oh. are located oh. there. <laughs> which as a diehard Denver Broncos fan, I would imagine I see that I saw the oh, bills. Okay. Um, so I, I, we, we, we've had a lot of uh, serious conversation. I had to get a little bit of a Broncos <laughs> levity in there as well. Um, yeah. I have to say Mike's, Mike's two favorite topics are data and the Broncos. And he managed to somehow get them in yeah, the same both, comment, which I'm really impressed with. <laughs> Well, that, that was masterful, Mike. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, man. Yes, there was no shortage of Kansas City Chiefs in our engagement. In fact, our our local ecosystem builder, Gabe, um, I don't think I ever saw him without some sort of uh, Chiefs memorabilia or paraphernalia uh, on his body. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Poor so, guy. There you go. I know. Why not? <laughs> diehard fan he was. <laughs> no, that's they, they've um, had a they've had a heck of a run. But in all seriousness, I would love to hear more about the uh, the 
the process of understanding, you know, the the current state and and then looking towards and saying, okay, collectively, we all agree on these common things. We all are trying to get here. How do you go through the uh, understanding current state, set helping to set an aligned vision, and then developing that that roadmap? Because again, th- that is common in a community building sense. It's also really relevant in organizations. And I think it's something that the the practices of how y'all go about that should be applicable to to our listeners to say, you know, we should all be thinking about doing that in our own organizations. So I'll jump in and and, and tackle this from more of a conceptual uh perspective and, and a comparison uh to from ecosystems to to teams. One of the things that we prioritize is very entrepreneurial in nature, which is you always want to start with understanding your 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 target uh, client. Like, who are you creating something for? Who are you solving a problem for? You want to understand their needs. Uh, and so we, we have an entrepreneur survey that does that. We ask the entrepreneur, what do you, what do you see? What are, what is working well for you and not in your ecosystem? And what do you need? And how, how could you be better served by the people, by, and organizations in your, your, your sphere? Now, we don't stop there because when we when you're talking about an ecosystem or a full community or a full company, it's not just about uh, one one stakeholder group. It's about multiple stakeholder groups. So you know you also want to hear from the entrepreneurial support organizations. Hey, what do they think is working? What do they do? What what are their challenges? Who are they working well with or partnering with uh, in the ecosystem or not? So we have an entrepreneurial organization survey. Uh, that helps us understand that. And we also ask entrepreneurs what they think of those organizations, right? And so an organization mm-hmm. might say, hey, we're great at this. But we may have like 10 entrepreneurs that say, no, you suck at that. <laughs> and we sort of were able to sort of <laughs> balance those things out uh, to get a true understanding, right? Uh, and then lastly, we take this sort of holistic approach, which is like the com- this, this ecosystem level, uh, which is, hey, What's happening across the broad swath of this and what does this look like? And so if you if you bring that into a company setting, I would equate it to this idea of, hey, um, how are we serving our clients? What do they want? What do they need? What does that look like? How are we actually delivering on this work? Right. That's sort of that base level. But then it's like, okay, what about the people who are actually doing the frontline customer service? Like, what are they seeing? What are they thinking? What are process? How are their processes? Do they think the entrepreneur uh, or do they think the customers are actually uh, being served well or not? Do they think that uh, they are providing their highest value? And what does that look like? And how is their workflow? And then at the management or executive level, then there's sort of this broader piece of, okay, well, we've got not just the people who are delivering direct service. But we've got our marketing department and we've got our, you know, our accounting department and how do they fold in and what are they doing and how are all of our processes working across a company or an organization for the benefit of eventually the customer uh, that we are here to to provide a, a product or service for. And so you've got to understand all of those things. And so being able to have feedback loops in your organization or your company on those three levels is extremely important. So Faye, I, I love I love all of that description. And one of the things that strikes me is just that customer centric focus, right? When we speak to organizations is like, you know, you can have a lot of metrics, but if your metrics aren't helping you achieve your mission and vision, 
they probably aren't the right, the metrics, right? And so from your work, from an entrepreneurial support, you know, kind of context in terms of building a community, it's what, what matters to the community members. And from a lot of the work we do is what, what does matter to that customer or that member of an organization or a client, whatever terminology you want to use. But I think as, you know, as Mike digs into this, the reason we do is because so many leaders ask us, like, I mean, you say we should track things and you say we should have feedback loops and and be talking about results, but how do we pick them? And I, I just think your summary of like picking things on various levels, but also keeping that like end user, customer, community member in mind is going to ultimately get you in the right direction, right? Because then you at least know what you're creating, you know, is mattering to people. And, and I think as we as we think about these things, you know, just would love you you both to kind of talk through a little bit more your E3 scorecard. I, I know that's an important tool for you at Forward Cities and and just want to make sure our, our audience understands what it is and how you use it and, and and how it makes you successful in a lot of this work. Most definitely. So, so you know, one of the things that, that you know, you heard me say about this idea of, of all the different levels of input and, and feedback you want to be getting, um, you know, you want to be getting things from your, for your, from your ultimate, um, you know, benefit, beneficiary, right? Which is either, you know, in our, in our world, it's the entrepreneur. You know, in companies, it's the customer. You want to be understanding that. You want to be understanding the, the, the folks that are directly touching them and what do they need and how are they sort of uh, filling that space. And we had tools to do those. Our, we had surveys to do that. And then at that that management level or that broad sort of layer where you have to lip, lift up and see the entire landscape of either a company or, in our case, an ecosystem, we didn't have a tool for that. And, you know, you know, as an, as an organization, we, we were thinking, and personally, I thought, what does that look like? How could we figure out how to sort of think about that broad, uh, higher level picture? And we emerged a tool. I partnered with um, our senior vice president, Nick Gunkel, you know, and I said, hey, what, what if we did sort of like a, a scorecard or some sort of way, a tangible way to measure? And, you know, we worked through various iterations um, and landed on what we now call our E3 scorecard. And uh, it allows us to take a holistic view uh, of the health and equity of any entrepreneurial ecosystem or support community. And and we're able to uh, deploy this in multiple communities for people that work at that level uh, and get them to to sort of share what's working or not, identify, um, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, uh, threats, and, and gaps, and wh- what that looks like. And we can use that tool in multiple ways. So I think if companies can think about what kind of tool they could create that could do that, you know, that higher level view, it could be extremely valuable hmm. um, because because often what happens is that people sit at the top and they make all these decisions and they're not necessarily looking at themselves. <laughs> they, they're seeing everything else beneath them. Um, but there's no one looking at them except for maybe you know you may have an external board or things like that, but they tend not to have that sort of like uh, that in-depth view. And so being able to take, take a holistic view is going to be extremely important. We're excited about that tool. We offer it to communities uh, across the country. Uh, we use it as the foundation for all of our work and all of our engagements, you know, as we move forward. And, you know, if, if there's any uh, community out there that's interested in helping understand those things, uh, we'd love to support you in that. Yeah, I was going to ask that, uh, Faye and Brett, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you 
both as individuals and and forward cities. Um, if if there's a community or somebody who's listening who who would love to to get to know you better, work with you, collaborate with you in in some way. Yeah, most definitely. If you can visit forwardcities.org, um, we've got a, a, a form that will allow you to share um, what you what you need from us. And so if you hit uh, go to forwardcities.org and, and uh, look at the contact link, um, you know, you'll be able to to tell us how we can help you. Uh, and we'd love to do that. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes for all of our listeners so you can easily find that. And also some other links to some exciting news and and just want to give you give you all the the opportunity to share it. We we've been hearing exciting news about the SBA Navigator pilot, and uh, wanted to make sure we didn't miss it. So I, I realize we've maybe waited uh, till the end of the podcast, but that's when we like to pitch all exciting news because we want to leave our audience really excited to go learn more about what's going on and and what are those big things. So we'll include a show a show link to that as well, just in terms of announcements. But Brett or Faye, do you want to just give a quick? Quick recap of the exciting news uh, around that program right now. I'll let uh, Brett jump in. Yeah, yeah, f- for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's timely. Um, you know, we worked with the city of Durham uh, this past summer, uh, which was interesting because we haven't done work. At, we're, we're headquartered in Durham, North Carolina. We haven't done work in Durham, North Carolina since really, let's say, 2016 as part of that um first kind of formation of forward cities, uh, the birth of it. So here we are five years out from having done any active work, any engagement. And as a part of the American Rescue Plan, there was a, the, the SBA introduced something called the Community Navigator Pilot Program. And it was a chance to do what we saw uh, as work that we had already practiced in a number of our cities. Not, not necessarily, let's say it's evolving work in a number of our cities. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Baltimore. We're testing it in Rio Grande, uh, New Mexico now. It happens in our Long Beach engagement. It's a very common thing to do, and it's this concept of, around navigation. So there's entrepreneurs out there that need resources. There's service providers out there providing resources. But in a lot of times, this awareness piece just between those two layers is hard to navigate. And so um, the concept of navigation is physical people who can come in, play that role. They know the service provider side, the ESO side, they have good cultural competency, trust relationships in with entrepreneurs uh, in a given community, and they can kind of link them together. So this grant was very attractive to us. We, we, we saw it as a good opportunity to try to bring this national, this federal resource to, to Durham. And we applied with the city and the county of Durham's um, support and Gerard Stanton of Helios Foundation is is one of our spokes. It's a hub and spoke model. We're serving as the hub and others, uh, Durham Tech, NC Central. And we applied to try to get a uh, multi-year grant that could allow us to do this work. It's considered a pilot because the concept, the codification of navigation hasn't happened yet. And so they figured they'd offer about 50 grants. They offered 51 and of over 700 applications, we were selected, which was extremely exciting um, and gave us a chance, like I said, to come back to our hometown and do some work. So that is actually, we are in the entry phases of that. We just found out a little over a month ago that we were being selected. Um, and now we're working with the SBA to get all of our ducks in a row and get our sp- spokes um, aligned so that we can begin to do this work in earnest uh, in early 2022. So for the next two years, uh, we're going to be rolling up sleeves in Durham, and we're super excited about it. Well, congratulations. Awesome. That is really, yeah. really impressive. 
51 out of 700 is uh, quite the accomplishment. And it sounds like y'all have the the leadership, the track record, the and I think maybe most importantly, just the heart and the vision to get it done um, and to use those resources to the maximum effect. So um, we'll just encourage all of our listeners to check out Forward Cities just to, to to learn more about their story. Again, I think you guys do a great job on the website of articulating who you are, why you exist, what you do, uh, and then providing options for people to help. So for people who listen to this podcast are aligned with the work that Forward Cities is doing and, and you want to support them or, or you'd like to work with them, I would just encourage you to, to click the the link in the show notes and and go check out our friends over at Forward Cities. Guys, we have been, again, I know Tracy and I could go on for hours and hours talking with y'all and I want to be respectful of everybody's time, but just want to thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. It's so fantastic to meet you. And I, Given as we we live close, would love to meet up and uh, and grab a beer or a coffee or a breakfast at, at some point. I, I think we've we've got obviously a lot of mission alignment and just love the work that that y'all are doing. So again, thank you for the time, and more importantly, thank you for doing the important work that you're doing. Our our communities in our country need it. So I I'm so glad to have had the the opportunity to meet with you both today. Yeah, appreciate it, Mike and Tracy. Uh, it was an honor. Uh, I think Faye and I, uh, you know, we do so much evangelizing of the, this work in general, and we're we're rarely, well, I'll speak for myself, rarely like in the spotlight. We're usually trying to put the spotlight on people so that they get, um, you know, lifted up for the work they're doing locally. So it was it was quite a treat to be able to uh, have this time and the opportunity. Yes, thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Well, we will uh, we'll invite you back anytime. So if you if you work with uh, maybe it's the maybe it's the Durham project or, or other projects, always happy to have you come back with other guests as well. And we could do a little case study and interview the other community organizers as well and, and get a full picture. So we would we would love to, like, as Mike said, continue the conversation and keep highlighting the great work of Forward Cities and, and all of the community partners you work with. I, I know you take a cl- truly collaborative approach and you know, coming from uh, Teams and Co. and all of our work around Teams, we we just love that. So, thank you again for being here. Um, to our listeners, uh, thanks again for tuning in this week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Um, if you missed this episode or want to see it on video, you can join us on our YouTube channel, or you can follow us on social media. If you have any questions for the Forward Cities team or for us, you can always use hashtag Ask Teams, A S K T E A M E S, and we will obviously forward your questions on to the forward cities team and also answer your other questions uh, on the next podcast episode as they come up. So thank you everybody. All right. Uh, well, thanks so much to everybody for, for tuning in and on your way out would really appreciate it. If you hit us with a like a thumbs up, a subscribe on whatever platform you are listening or watching this podcast, it really helps us out and we'll see you all next time for the next podcast of building teams with teams and co. Thanks again to forward cities. We'll see y'all next time. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice. 